it triggered me when Lisa says she needs to Google what I say. But how about we Google what she says? Because most of the time she's lying. Oh, did I just say that? I don't even tolerate that. You don't tolerate what? You. Ooh, did I just say that? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. That was a clip from this week's Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. We finally got an all-cast event. I've been waiting a lifetime for a moment like this, in the words of our dear Kelly Clarkson. Guys, we're going to break all that down. We're going to talk about Potomac. We're going to talk about all the Bravo book drama that's going on. And also, Countess Luann was featured in the DJ booth behind Andrew Lloyd Webber while Who Let the Dogs Out was playing, you guys. I don't know if you saw that video. Go to my Instagram if you haven't. But when I saw it... I have the no. So let me just repeat that. There's this video that's going around of Countess Luann in the streets of New York. There's a DJ booth where Andrew Lloyd Webber, who did Cats and Fan of the Opera, he is DJing with Beats by Dre around his ears. And Countess Luann's trying to get a selfie video of her and Andrew Lloyd Webber. And while this is happening, Andrew Lloyd Webber, while he's DJing, he's playing Who Let the Dogs Out by the Baja Men. Okay? I just have to make that clear of what's happening in this video. And it's all on the streets of New York. I guess Broadway's reopened. Fan of the Opera was reopened. So this is what's going on. You guys, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber of the Phantom of the Opera of Cats. And you just know Luann is telling her friends, like, Yeah, I work with Andrew Lloyd Webber. I was almost in Cats. I'm going to be in the new Phantom of the Opera. Like, you know she's telling everybody that because she just took a selfie with Andrew Lloyd Webber at an outdoor concert where he was inexplicably playing the Baja Men, Who Let the Dogs Out, which is a song I haven't heard in years. And by the way, the Baja Men song, Who Let the Dogs Out, I just have to say, when I was in high school, the school newspaper interviewed me and asked me when I was, like, I think, a freshman in high school, they said, what's the song that's the soundtrack to your life? And I said, Bon Jovi's It's My Life. I said, because the lyrics have a great message. And I said, the Baja Men, Who Let the Dogs Out, because it's a great part. Jam. I was quoted in the school newspaper saying that, and I was so embarrassed. For years, my friends would make fun of me and say, oh my god, Danny, your favorite song or the song that was a soundtrack to your life is the Baja Men, Who Let the Dogs Out, which is a ridiculous song. But I haven't heard it since then, and then now suddenly Andrew Lloyd Webber's playing it on the streets of New York City. And I, I suppose New York is back, baby, because Countess Luann is with Andrew Lloyd Webber on the streets of New York listening to Who Let the Dogs Out by the Baja Men. Who let the dogs out? <laughs> <laughs> I need Luann to come out with the Andrew Lloyd Webber remix of the Who Let the Dogs Out by the Baja Men. Who let the dogs out? Me, 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 me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, who let the dogs out? Me, 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 me. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Countess speaking. We have arrived. You guys, we have so much to talk about. Uh, we need to start on Salt Lake City. And the first thing I need to say, this might be a very controversial topic, but Seth and Meredith Marks, you guys, they sat down. Meredith was wearing that sexy and elegant blazer that made her look like one of the soldiers in the movie Santa Claus 3. I don't know if you're familiar with that reference, but if you're not, go watch Santa Claus Part 3. Maybe it was Part 2. Part 3 was the one with Jack Frost played by Martin Short. That's neither here nor there. The point is, it's an unhinged film, but there's soldiers in that movie and that's what Meredith was reminding me of. But what is controversial that I'm about to say is that I believe the two of them, okay, I believe that in the off season between season one and season two, I think that they took an improv acting class. I think they went to the Groundlings, they went to Second City, they went to the IO Theater. They took some sort of acting improvisation stand-up comedy class because not only has Meredith come in engaged this season, okay, she was disengaged for last season, now she's engaged. And the complaint with Meredith was always like, we need her to engage. She keeps running away from drama. And now we saw when they were ice fishing, she's engaged. She's giving it back to Jen. And we see later in the trailer for the season that she gives it into Jen, goes in on Jen. And so when I see Meredith engaged, I'm liking it. I'm thinking she took the notes from season one and she applied them to get engaged. But now I'm noticing Seth, the husband, he's more engaged than ever before. And he's doing what I think a lot of people do when they take an improv class, a level one. And this is coming from someone who spent uh, years and years, uh, countless amounts of money on improv classes. I mean, the amount of improvisation classes I took at the Groundlings and Second City and everything, an unhinged amount. I mean, I threw money away like it was going in the garbage to take an improv class with someone who was once in a commercial. Okay, so I've been there. I've lived it. Now, when you hop into an improv class, not only do you play a game called Zip, Zap, Zop until you're blue in the face, but you also find that a lot of people, 
they think of humor as just doing sex jokes, right? Like, so you see someone in a first level uh, comedy class and they're always making a sex joke. And I'm noticing that's what Seth's doing every time he's on camera. Not only did he have that one scene with all the other husbands where he was talking about fucking Meredith while she was asleep. Don't think I didn't forget about that. Okay. We didn't talk about it here on our program. And it was... Uh, problematic to say the least, right? But he was making jokes about sex and Meredith, his wife. And I know on some level, season one, they were in the in the season and they were fighting for their marriage. They were fighting for their relationship. And so a lot of their scenes together last season were all about the dissolution of their marriage. And so now they got to prove to the audience that they're good as gold and that they're making it work. So I do understand on some level they came into the season wanting to prove that. But now Seth is doing too much jokes. He's doing very edgy humor. At some points, I think I'm watching Andrew Dice Clay on HBO Max, uh, a stand-up special from the 1980s, because everything he's saying is truly edgy sex comedy. And I know culturally everyone's talking about Dave Chappelle's comedy work on Netflix, but I'd like us to put a magnifying glass on Seth Marks and The Real House of Salt Lake City, because he's doing some very edgy sex humor. At one point, they sat down at the dinner table at some restaurant. The server comes by and asks, you know, what do you want to drink or whatever? And Seth's like, oh, I need something that's going to help me unlock Meredith's blazer. The blaze, unlocking the blazer, like he was saying, to take it off. And I was like, Seth, I don't think you need to be uh, it, doing that. And then Meredith is just sitting there. And I think Meredith on some level is thinking, okay, I got to just go with this. And I don't think it's in her nature to go with all the sex stuff. But then she's sort of forced to because her husband, now she's got to prove that her and her husband are good. So she's sort of just sitting there like, I like dick. You know, I don't, I think she's trying to make it seem like she's really into Seth doing all of this work, but I don't think she's really into the sex work that Seth is doing. <sighs> but I believe that they took an improv acting class because Seth's coming, he's smiling, he's doing like prop comedy sometimes, you know, he's talking about the blazer. It's like he just took one class and then uh, didn't take any more. And now he's like fully lighting up in front of the camera in a different way than we see in last season. So I'd just like us to put a magnifying glass. I'm not saying for all of us to ignore all the other issues going in the world, because we got plenty of things to worry about. I'm just saying maybe some of our attention could go on Seth Marks because I, we just need to keep an eye on it, okay? I'm not saying it's as problematic as uh, some of the other things I compared it to. I'm just saying we need to just a little bit of our focus needs to be on that man and just keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on what the sex work comedy thing is going on there. And where it's all going. And I'm not saying it's going anywhere bad. I'm just saying we need to keep an eye on it. And it's very unhinged. And by the way, I mentioned Santa Claus 3. My holiday podcast is coming back. I don't know if you guys are interested in the holiday movie recaps. My co-host Jenna Brister and I, we're coming back next week, or actually I guess it's this week now as this podcast is dropping. It's called A Very Merry Iconic Podcast. We're covering Hocus Pocus, which is a Halloween movie. Then we're going to be doing a handful of other Christmas movies. Follow our podcast, A Very Merry Iconic Podcast. We have an Instagram account, so you can see all the information there. This is season three. Uh, and then this season, we're going to be covering movies like Home Alone 2 and Fred Claus, which is Vince. We're doing two Vince Vaughn Christmas movies, which is, <laughs> if you, you can believe it, Vince Vaughn has two holiday films out. And uh, both of them are terrible, but we're covering them. So you can listen to those recaps this holiday season. Okay, so uh, Salt Lake City, we open with the taglines, and I don't know if we've talked about this exactly in depth, in detail, but Jenny's tagline is, I have plenty of everything, including opinions. Now, what I'm noticing about Jenny on this show, of course, Jenny's the new housewife, I'm noticing that she actually doesn't seem to have many opinions. We do know the situation with the husband wants the kids, and we hate the husband, you guys. I'm so mad at that Dewey man. I hate him. Get him off my screen. I think he's a monster. And I'm all behind Jenny. I'm rooting for Jenny. I'm behind her 100% right now. Uh, but what I'm noticing is that I'm not seeing like a hundred a bunch of opinions. I'm just seeing like this one opinion about the situation with the husband and the baby. But as it stands, she sort of gave an opinion about Mary. Kind of, they had a little argument. And I love that and love to explore that. But I don't know that it had to do with opinions. Do you get what I'm saying? I don't know if that's false advertising or maybe later to come this season, we'll see some more opinions out of Jenny. But right now I'm feeling like uh, maybe a bit off more than she could chew in that tagline because I'm not seeing a whole ton of opinions. You know, by definition, opinion is having a thought on something. And it seems like she's so separate from the other women. I'm like, where are the opinions? I don't see her say one thing about any of the other women, except for we had the one little bit about Mary. But up until this point, we are seven to eight episodes in. What other opinions have we gotten? 
Uh, not a whole lot, but I am rooting for her. I love me some Jenny so far. Hate that man. Hate the husband. Love the daughter. Hate the husband. Uh, we open on Heather and Whitney. They're planning this whole tubing event, and they're inviting everyone. Mary doesn't even have the voicemail set up, you guys. Mary's not interested in getting a voicemail, and that made me love Mary even more. Loved it, because I thought, you know what? Sometimes I don't even want to hear a voicemail. Text me, Right? When I get a voicemail, it's like my mom will leave me two minute long voicemails. And those are the only ones I like. Just heard rambling on about like what, you know, Dan, I'm making some meatloaf for dinner. I just figured I'd give you a call, see what you're up to. How's your day today? You know, I just watched Entertainment Tonight, Dan, and they were showing, uh, they were showing something about the housewives. Wanted to give you a call. So anyway, call me back. You know, Linda, I'll leave these rambling voicemails about Entertainment Tonight. <laughs> uh, but, I otherwise don't want one. I'm not interested. I'm not interested. And all the women, they're getting these calls. Meredith says she's so excited to go tubing. And I thought, that's a lie. I don't think any of these women really want to go tubing. They're doing it for the show. But if the cameras weren't on them, I'm not sure that they would. That's just my truth. Okay, that's my truth. I don't think that they would. Maybe I'm wrong. Prove me wrong. Prove me otherwise, ladies. I was excited to see them go tubing. It made me want to go tubing. You know, I want to do all these wintry events. I'm living in Los Angeles. Everything's so fucking hot. Here, I'm like tired of the heat. Give me something cozy that I can put on in the cold weather. Not interested. Uh, then we cut to Lisa Barlow picking up her kid. Hi, baby, gorgeous. I missed you. What do you want to eat, my baby love? You know, she says when he gets in the car. Then she takes him to Wendy's. Instantly, Wendy's reminding me of my grandma used to pick me up from school. And she would take me to McDonald's every day. I'd get a number three, which is quarter pounder meal. Every single day after school, my grandma would buy that for me. And it's not healthy. It was like a pre-dinner snack. And it's like, that's not okay. So Lisa Barlow, I just, as someone who's been there and lived it, I need you to make sure that you keep Henry on the straight and narrow and not give him Wendy's every day. Because then she also, she said, then what do you want for dessert? Then they were going somewhere else for dessert. And I was like, Lisa. She said, Henry and I share a love of fast food. And then I thought, somebody needs to stop this. But meanwhile, then immediately I understood why Henry's emotionally eating, because then he reveals that somebody is bullying him. And I was ready to fight you guys. I was ready to fight a kid. I don't know how, what age Henry is, but whoever the, the fucker who is bullying Henry, they need to cool it. They need to stop. I don't know if the mom or the dad or somebody's listening to this podcast that's relating to the kid who's bullying Henry, but they need to stop. Okay. Everything iconic listeners will not be having it. Okay. Little bully, you need to stop because Henry seems like a nice young man. And of course, Lisa's doing what she can. She's taking the kid to Wendy's to feel better. But he's going to emotionally eat himself to death because he's just going to be shoving Wendy's in his mouth. And uh, that's not going to solve his emotional issues. So, Henry, my, my heart goes out to you. Okay, I don't like, you know, I think the word bully's overused. But at this point with the kids, I don't think it is overused. So, for the kids, I'm behind you, Henry. We're with you 100%. Stand by, Henry. Hashtag justice for Henry. This bully needs to stop and needs to cool it. Okay, needs to cool it. Then we cut to Jenny and Dewey at dinner. They say like, oh, we fought in the snow and we haven't really talked. And I was like, yeah, they have. Like, they're all lying to us. You know how they do that? Because it's like they're married. So they went home after filming that day in the snow and they just talked through everything else they talked uh, about while they were filming. And here they are trying to, uh, they're all trying to bamboozle us. Okay. And I'm not falling for it. I'm not falling for it. They're trying to pretend like they haven't talked since then. It's like they live in a house. They live in a house together. They're married. They certainly, after Jenny stormed off in the snow, I'm sure they had words that night at home uh, in the bedroom, in the boudoir. And here they're all trying to pretend like they haven't talked since then, that they're sitting down for oyster night, and then suddenly they're uh, picking up the conversation again. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. And you know how I feel about this, Dewey. He cries at one point. This is apparently their ritual oyster night, which I also don't believe exists. I feel like this is a thing for TV. They were like, the producers, I feel like, asked Jenny and Dewey, like, what do you guys like to do? And they're like, well, we went to oyster night once, so we're going to say it's a ritual. You know, I'm on to all these people. And that's no shade to Jenny and Dewey. You got to do what you got to do to be on camera. You got to make up some things. So, uh, you know, I support that. But uh, they talk about this polygamy, having another person in the relationship, and it is legal in Utah. And he just wants more wives, and Jenny's not interested. Jenny says, look, I'm Catholic. And Dewey says, well, it's not in the Ten Commandments. And, okay, he's not wrong. But also, Dewey, cool it. Like, what is, I mean, come on, Dewey. She She's telling you a hundred times she don't want another kid. She don't want a sister wife. And you just keep pushing it on her. And she tells him that she needs to get therapy, and that's a lesson for us all. 
okay, Dewey, you need to hop on the phone with the therapist or hop on telemedicine, whatever you got to do. Call up BetterHelp, whoever you got to get in touch with. You need to get in touch with Dewey because this is uh, your wife who you supposedly love telling you she don't want no more kids. She had uh, nine miscarriages and she had a stillbirth. She's been through uh, the ringer and you need to stop. And then she's telling you, I also don't want a wife in the relationship. So stop, stop. Then that's when we get that Seth and Meredith scene, which I know we talked about, where they just are proving they want to fuck each other a lot. And that was tough for all of us, you guys. That was tough. Immediately when he was talking about that blazer and he said something about unlocking the blazer, I thought, not interested. Then uh, we cut to Beauty Lab and Laser. And I tweeted about this, but I like that name, Beauty Lab and Laser. I feel like never has a business name rolled off the tongue so freely and wonderfully. I just think... As I've been doing these recaps, and every time I got to say Beauty Lab and Laser, I think that just rolls right off like Buca de Beppa. And it feels good when you say Beauty Lab and Laser, Beauty Lab and Laser, Beauty Lab and Laser, 15-minute Botox parking. Botox, I screwed it up there. Botox parking. That that adds a little bit of a tongue twister, but Beauty Lab and Laser just rolls off the tongue. Love it. Love it. She's having a mom event because it's the first anniversary of when all those employees that she has had a bunch of babies. They all had the babies. Five employees had a baby. And that's sh- that was shocking to me. I know we lived through it last season. They were all preggers. But I don't know. I sort of thought maybe they don't all work there. And now I'm seeing it's the first anniversary. They're all having cake the babies, which was adorable. But Whitney came in. She's like, this is better than a puppy party. And I sort of agree. I would love to go into a party where I could just play with babies and then not have to clean them up or do any of the hard stuff, but then just leave. You know, I would have liked to have been at this beauty lab and laser baby party. And even Sarah Paulson was there, a.k.a. Angie, who's the friend of. And uh, she arrived, She gets really drunk. She fell over at one point. And Heather gave all the babies these matching shoes to her. Oh, I loved it. I love Heather Gay. I love her. And uh, what else happened? Angie and Whitney talk about the Lisa setup. It was the setup. She tried to set me up. She, had a, she set me up at dinner. She tried to set me up about the caterers. And this cater drama, I don't know why I'm just not, I'm not hooking on it. And I'm not sure why. Not sure what it is that's, hold. I have like almost like an emotional wall up against the catering drama. And I don't know if that's on me, but it's falling flat to me in a way. It's falling flat. Much like Angie, aka Sarah Paulson, fell flat on her face because she drank too much at Beauty Lab Laser Baby Party. Which, by the way, I'd just like to mention, when you're drinking too much at a baby party, maybe something to look in the mirror about. Maybe just check out your reflection in the mirror and say, why did I do that? (laughs) Maybe say, what did I do that for? Because it's a party for babies. Really, it was a one-year-old birthday party, and Angie just got too drunk. And we've all been there before. We've gotten too drunk at inappropriate events, right? I once got kicked out of a Shania Twain concert in Las Vegas, Nevada, okay? Because I had too many vodka sodas. I would argue, actually, that I was the one, I, I was in the right mood for that concert. Because the people around me, they were too sober, but they all complained to the ushers and got me kicked right out when I was, uh, when Shania was on stage singing that man, I feel like a woman. And I was in the audience on my feet singing along with her, slurring it along, slurring my words along with Shania Twain. The usher said, Hey, you, we got to kick you out. And so they kicked me right out. Uh, so some would say that was an inappropriate place for me to be too drunk. And I would say, Well, you know, it's a really inappropriate place to be too drunk at a one year old's birthday party. And I'm talking five one year olds. Five one-year-olds was a party, and I thought, Angie, you need to pull it together. This is a look in the mirror, Angie, Miss Angie. And it seemed like everyone was maybe drinking a little bit. Obviously, it was a fun party. They were having a good time at the Beauty Lab and Laser. But Angie, I don't know what she was pounding away, but she fell. She fell at a five one-year-old birthday party. Anyway, then we all get together for the tubing. There's a new blonde woman who looks like if Whitney and Heather had a baby. And uh, I don't know who she is. She's just there. Angie's wearing an all-yellow outfit. Mary got transportation in this tubing event because she says it's two hours away, which Mary claims is 60 minutes twice, which she's not wrong. She's not wrong. And I don't normally think of hours in those terms, but now I will. 60 minutes twice. If somebody invites me something, it's two hours away, I'm going to say, oh, well, that's 60 minutes twice. I don't know if I can make it. Right? Or if a movie, somebody asks me, how long is... Is that uh, Judd Apatow movie? I'm going to say it's 60 minutes twice plus 35 minutes. You know, the Judd Apatow movies, they're always too long. Always at least 45 minutes too long. You know, he just lets that camera run. He needs to cool it too, but that's a tale for another time. But that's how I'm going to tell time from this point on, 60 minutes twice. 
but I'm so happy. I got the I got the fucking chills that all these women were together. I have the no. chills. No. And they're on this bus, and all of a sudden they're talking about carbonation. And I don't even remember this, but Mary last season said carbonation hardens your ovaries. And then Lisa very uh, normally says, I need to Google this. I need to Google this. And then Mary gets so pissed. She says, don't do that to me. Don't talk to me like I'm dumb. It's facts. Mary's pissed. Sister Mary got mad. And I, this is why Mary needs to be in every group scene, okay? I cannot have a group scene without Mary. Because you never know what you're going to get. You don't know where she's going. You don't know who she's going to go after. It's fantastic. And Mary says, I don't tolerate you. And then they get out of car, the car, and Mary says, you keep saying Google things. And she says, is it because I'm black? And Lisa's like, no, I just, because you said that, What you know, Mary's, or Lisa's getting caught up then. And this is when Jenny comes in. She says, can we stop? And then Mary says, get your language right. And then those two are fighting. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is all in a hinge. It's just like a, what do you call it? It's bursting, every, the whole group event's bursting in the flames. Meanwhile, Jen Shaw and Heather uh, Gay are bumping breasts. You know, they're bumping the bubbies because they're not fighting for once. And I actually really loved this. It was a quick little moment where they bumped the breasts. And I loved that moment because I feel like we haven't seen a lot of those kind of... Jen Shaw to me in her confessionals, something feels off. I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but they feel like very written or rehearsed or something. And so I feel like we don't really get, even in the scenes a very natural Jen shot. And it seemed like at this tubing event, A, when she bumped the bubbies with Heather Gay, but also when she was tubing, it just seemed like a naturally fun Jen Shaw. And I feel like we've been missing that. I haven't gotten that side of Jen Shaw on the show for me. And so it was nice that they had a little cute moment. Uh, so then they all go on this tubing thing and Mary does it once. She's like, I'm not doing it again. She's like, it's too much, too much labor. Meanwhile, it was like a treadmill that took us, took them up the hill, but she didn't want to do it. And then uh, Sarah Paulson and Whitney decided to put on a costume for a prank. And it gave me like Stephanie and Brandy vibes from The Real House of Dallas. And I was like, uh-oh. You know, I got scared. This is not what we do, ladies. If uh, you find yourself in a scene, any of the housewives who are listening to this podcast, if you're going into a scene and you find yourself doing something like they, they did on Dallas, you need to stop, right? You need to look yourself in the mirror. You need to pull it together. You need to change course, shift direction. If you find yourself doing any of the things that they did on The Real House of Dallas, they got canceled. They were canceled. I know we're saying they're on a hiatus or on a break or something, but we all know what happened, right? We're not stupid, ladies. Am I right? (laughs) Bravo took a look at the footage and they were like, no more. They saw everything that was happening with Brandy and Stephanie and the they were dressing as Bigfoot, and they had a Bigfoot person on that show, and there was salsa in the bed. And Bravo said, uh-uh, we're done. Okay? Bravo uh, put the gavel down and said, you're canceled. No more. They're done with it. So, ladies, housewives, I can't have you I can't have you doing any of the things that they did. Everything they did was wrong. Almost everything. There was a couple bright moments. I'm not going to take it all away from them. But I am going to say, for the most part, if you find yourself doing a prank that Stephanie and Brandy did on The Real House of Dallas, stop. Maybe they didn't know this because that might have aired when they were filming or something. So maybe they didn't know. So we're going to give Whitney and Sarah Paulson some grace. But it's troubling, to say the least. And uh, we just, going forward, need to keep our eye on it. That's another thing. Aside from Seth Marks' inappropriate stand-up routines that he's doing about the sex, we're also going to have to keep our eye on this on Sarah Paulson and Whitney acting like Stephanie and Brandy and Dallas, because it's not okay. It's not okay. I do think all the women hated the tubing. <laughs> I do believe that. In my Deep down in my soul, I was watching, I was like, are they having fun? And I was like, nope, they're not. Not even an ounce. I don't believe that they were. I'm sorry, maybe they were, but I don't think a single one of those women was enjoying it. They did some competition. Who could get down to marry the quickest? But ultimately, I think they were not having any fun. And Lisa was pissed because Jen Shaw was hanging with Heather and Whitney. And so Lisa's getting mad. And they did this competition. So the losers had to wear the wigs. And then, uh, I don't know, that was um, that was something. That was a Dallas moment to me. It was a Dallas moment. Anyway, Lisa and Angie, then they all sit down in the wigs. And they're sitting down for lunch or whatever. And Lisa says to Angie, it was very hurtful to me what she did. You know, she's mad. And Lisa says, all I want to do is fucking be me and not have everyone question me. I can't even say the word Google. Get off my fucking back. You know, Lisa's mad. And Jen and Meredith are just being silent. So Lisa's more mad at that then. 
And as we're talking about this whole Angie catering business, and Lisa gets really upset. She now, at this point, I think Lisa's worked herself up so that she's squeaking out a tear. You know, they try to do that. So she finally gets some tears in her eyes. And so she's really going to like lay it on thick. So now she says, my grandfather was gay. It hurts me to think I would sabotage something that's so important to me that I saw firsthand. You know, because she's saying, why would I cancel the caterers for this trans kid event when I have a grandfather who's gay? And this was a stretch. This was, you know, I love Mason Lisa Barlow this season. But I did not, I did not love that. I did not love that, Lisa. I'm sorry. I don't know. I wasn't buying it. It was a bag of bullshit she was trying to sell me. And I thought, I'm not buying it. I'm not giving you my credit card. Not giving you a personal check. Nothing, because I'm not buying it. Lisa Barlow. Her grandfather was gay. I'd like to meet this grand... But maybe the grandfather has passed. I'm sorry if I brought that up. Did the, Did she say if the grandfather has passed... She said he was gay. Did that mean it was past tense? Like he's no longer with us? Sorry to be a bummer, but I feel like I need uh, I need clarification on whether or not the gay grandpa is alive. <laughs> I'm laughing at the sound effect, not whether or not her grandfather is dead. I'm just saying that because I need to see that. I would like to meet this gay old man. I love an old gay. Let's get him on the program, right? Let's get to know this grandpa, Lisa Barlow's grandpa. Grandpa, I feel like he's seen some things. Love to get him on the show. Uh, then Angie and Lisa eventually just make out because Angie gets exhausted by Lisa. And she, so she's just like, okay, we love each other. Then Jenny asks Mary if they're good. And Mary just doesn't even care. I don't even know if Mary is even cognizant of who she's sitting amongst. I feel like bar- Mary barely got to know the people that she was in the cast with season one. Right? Like, I feel like she barely learned their names. Like, we were lucky that Mary knows who Whitney is. We were lucky that Mary knows who Heather and... And Meredith and Jen and the other one, Lisa are. I don't even think Mary, uh, Mary understands who Andy Cohen is. Like, that's how engaged I think Mary is with the people around her. I think Mary knows what's going on with her, with Robert Sr., Robert Jr., but I don't think she's really paying attention to the other people. And so now she's sitting around at lunch and she's looking at these other, this other new blonde woman who didn't even get a couple words in edgewise. And then she's looking at Angie, probably thinks that's Sarah Paulson. And so I don't think Mary is uh, sure of who uh, Jenny is. And Jenny's like, are we good? And Mary's like, I don't even know who you are. Like, who is this again? Because I just don't believe Mary has paid attention. Uh, but they do sort of make up. And then, then Jenny goes and tells uh, everyone about how she's extra emotional because it's the anniversary of the daughter's stillbirth. And it's really just sad. It's sad. I'm getting emotional just watching it. So, so sad. They do toast and end and cheers next time the vacation veil is introduced. And you guys, so in the scenes for next week, uh, Meredith's trying to get everyone together for a vacation veil. And we know that the Beauty Lab and Laser Fed's situation with Jensha happens when they're headed to veil. So it's all coming, you guys. The law, uh, the legal situation, all of the Jensha legal drama is coming. It's almost here, you guys. It's when they go to Vail. <gasps> I can't wait. I got the fucking chills. I have the no. chills. No. Uh, and then what else happens next time? Lisa's doing an event without Jen. And then also we get to meet this cult man who's after Mary. Or this man who's after Mary about being in a cult. I can't wait about that. That's another thing. I feel like we're also focused on the Jen Shaw drama. We're not even talking about how Mary might be running a cult. So much is going on, you guys. I'm loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And uh, let's take a quick break here. And then uh, we'll come back, we'll talk about the Bravo book drama, and then we'll talk about The Real Housewives of Potomac. All right, I put a clip from this week's episode of The Real House of Potomac on the soundboard, but it wasn't playing, so then I just had to play that song, Drive Back, by Candace, because also it's a bop, and so I could feel like I could play that every week and not get tired of it. You know, I make me drive back. I'm driving back. Uh, you guys, we're going to talk about The Real House of Potomac. Also, I have to talk about this Bravo book drama. So Dave Quinn, who was on the podcast last week, he came out with the Bravo book. It was by Andy Cohen's imprint. And it's an oral history, so it's all these interviews with all the housewives. And there's been little tidbits that have been leaking out to the press. Page six has been printing about it. All the blogs have been printing about it. 
And a lot of crazy stuff is in the book. I mean, truly, I was reading different points of it, and I was shocked. I mean, I talked to Dave about this, but I was even surprised that a lot of the wives talking about Andy Cohen in bad light also made it in the book. So although it's Andy's imprint, it's like shocking to me that there's also like bad stuff about Andy. I mean, there's just a lot of juicy details in there. And so I thought it was an excellent read. You know, I was addicted to it because it's broken up into chapters about each housewives. And there's stuff in the Beverly Hills chapter. You know, this is also everything I say on this podcast. I'm going to say it has been uh, spoiled by the press already. So turn this off. If you don't want to hear it before you read the book. But there was this part in the Beverly Hills chapter about Denise. And then the uh, Lisa Renna and some of the other women said that Denise at BravoCon tried to hook up with some of the women from the Real Houses of Orange County. So that was in the book. Then in the Real Houses of New York chapter, there's this whole thing about Sonia Tremont Morgan and then Heather Holla Thompson had said that someone had lit a cigarette in Sonia's hoo-ha, and so that was in the book. And Sonia, by the way, had had uh, made a light of this incident. She, on Instagram account, had made a little joke about that little section in the, in the Roni chapter. Uh, and she said that Heather's husband wanted to have a three-way with Sonia Morgan. So that was something that came out. I mean, there's just all these juicy details that I believe are going to spill onto the housewives. And I'm so excited about it because I'm seeing all the housewives. They were all interviewed for the book. There's a few people missing. So people like Bethany, Nini, they're not in the book. But I wish they were. They should have been. And I can't understand why Bethany wasn't in the book because you know Andy reached out to these housewives. It's his imprint. So I imagine Andy reached out or at least texted or emailed Bethany and said like, hey, can you do this? Because some of the housewives have uh, been quoted by saying that they didn't want to initially do the interviews. Jill Zarin was on a podcast. I think it was Brandy Glanville's podcast saying she didn't initially want to do it. Then Andy called and asked if she could do it. So I imagine Andy had also reached out to Bethany. And Bethany didn't do the interview for the book, but Bethany doesn't come across well in the book. And so Bethany now, she's doing a whole podcast about her experience with Housewives. And it's just like this book is causing so many ripple effects. Uh, it's completely changing our timelines, right? It's like everything is changed from this point forward because now everywhere where the bodies are buried are coming up and we're all finding out all this information about these seasons. And one thing I want to point out, well, there's a bunch of stuff I want to point out. First of all, did you guys see on Amazon people are getting scammed by the book because people were ordering a paperback version, which uh, paperback versions don't come out unless the hardcover is successful and usually comes out months after the hardcover comes out. So people were buying what Amazon was advertising as a as a paperback version of this book, which does not exist. And, you know, Amazon's always scamming. You got to be careful on Amazon what you buy. You know, I once bought cupcakes that were at 12 years old on Amazon. So you got to be careful. Look at the dates. Look at everything. You can't buy food on Amazon. People warned me. I didn't know. And I got sick eating some uh, cupcakes on Amazon that were expired uh, upwards of 12 years or 12 plus years. I forget how long it was, but it was a while. I ate these cupcakes that were expired. So anyway, people were buying these paperback version of Dave Quinn's book, but it wasn't by Dave Quinn. It was by somebody else. And it was like a pamphlet. And so people were getting scammed. And now the book has been sold out on Amazon because I don't know if you guys are following, but there's also like a paper shortage. So, you know, on this podcast, I'm always encouraging you guys to pre-order my book, which comes out March 8th. Hate to do a plug, but got to do it. And one of the reasons why pre-orders are so important is because there's a printing shortage all around. If you've been following the news, there's all sorts of shipping shortages. Things are arriving late. And in the book world, there's printing shortages. So you got to pre-order the book so you make sure you get it. So, you know, that's a lesson for us all when you're pre-ordering my book. How do I remember this? But also, don't get scammed on Amazon and don't buy the pamphlet version. However, some people were sending me pictures of this pamphlet version, and it was hysterical. It was just like taglines, but they weren't even written properly. So it was like Ramona's tagline, and then it would just say some chicken scratch that wasn't even a real tagline. People were getting scammed. Also, this whole book is so juicy, and all of the housewives have their own books, their own memoirs that have come out or that are coming out. Garcelle's got a new one. Dorinda just had one come out. And I'm like, why aren't you ladies writing about all this juicy stuff in your own books instead of being interviewed about it for this other Bravo book? They should all be releasing all these details and making the money themselves. Because sometimes I read a lot of these housewives books, and they're so sanitized, and they got nothing that the fans actually want to know about. And then here... Uh, we have this Bravo book with everything we want to know about. And that's also why these housewives need, need to hire better ghostwriters. And I'm not saying me, I'm a ghostwriter, but I'm not, uh, I'm not even trying to promote myself. I'm just saying they need to hire ghostwriters who are fans of the show to get all of this good information. And I know legally probably they get some of the stuff taken out of their memoirs and stuff like that. But I'm just thinking, why is it all in the housewives Bravo book? And then the, their memoirs come out and there's nothing good in it. 
It's like there's a couple little details that are so sanitized. And then here in the Bravo book, we're getting information about Sonia Tremont Morgan getting cigarettes lit in her Meredith Grey. The ghostwriters are the ones who do the interviewing with the person who's coming out with the book. So it's not like these housewives are writing anything. But it's up to those ghostwriters to sit and interview them uh, before they sit down to write and say, look, I want to talk about this famous scene from season three of this show. Let's break down how this happened. And that's what Dave Quinn, I think, did so brilliantly in his book, and that I need these other housewives to go back and do for their own memoirs that are coming out. And so any of the housewives that are listening, I know Heather Gay's got a book coming out. I'm very excited. Heather Gay's got a great story. But we want to know about the Beauty Lab and Laser Jen Shah drama in the parking lot. We want to know about all of these juicy details from the season, from the specific scenes. We want that information just as much, if not way more, than information about these people's lives. And Heather Gay actually has a really interesting story about all the Mormon stuff, so I am looking forward to reading that book. But just want to encourage the women as they come out with their books, because at this rate, most of their books are boring. Okay, And we read the headlines, we get to know the information from Us Weekly about what's in the book, and I just want them all to look at that book and realize that that's what the fans want. Am I right? Ladies, am I right? Anyway, uh, this book, then they had a, a release party for the book in New York that was like a mini Bravo con. It had all these women. Page six was reporting that the Roni women left before Ebony got there because they don't like her anymore. So that was something that happened. I mean, this book is causing so much fucking drama. And I'm wondering if it's going to play out on the shows or if, you know, how they sometimes don't like to break the fourth wall. Maybe they won't say it's from the book, but maybe it, it's shocking to me, though, you guys, and it's just, I'm living for it. And honestly, I think all of the revelations that have come out about the book, I still think there's tons more in the book. So I don't think if you just read the news, to me, it's more interesting to read like the whole account of it, because it's a very thorough thing. And I'm not saying that to sell the book. I, that was my experience. Maybe some of you are reading it and you don't like it. That was my experience. But I can't even believe all this book drama that it's being caused amongst all of the women. And then LVP was uh, written about in the book. She was also interviewed for the book. But then the uh, producer, the producer from The Real House of Beverly Hills says everything about how Lisa Vanderpump set up the story with Radar Online about Lucy Lucy Apple Juice. And you remember that producer is the one who was yelling at Denise. So you remember Denise's last season where uh, the producer came into frame and he's like, Denise! Denise! Honest to God. Denise, Denise, you don't need to make that. This is so Done. You worked in the morning and you came late. We know it. Don't worry about it. Get back to Are you to joking? Reality. You know, he was so upset. That man, that was, that's the producer who was interviewed in the book and then said LVP sent everything to Radar Online. So I'm not sure how much we believe that producer because he did go after our Denise. But maybe we don't know the full story. Maybe Denise was tough to work with. But remember that one scene last season? Oh, I loved it. <laughs> one of my favorite scenes last season. But he just, producer, that man runs in a frame. Denise! What are you doing? Get real! Denise! He's so mad. He was so mad at Denise. So the book is causing some drama, and uh, we're going to be paying attention. We're going to see what else it's causing. I don't know. Uh, Okay, so what else is going on in the Real Hustles of Potomac, you guys? We ended last week with Ashley and, and G in a fight. This fight was sort of a fight to know where Ashley was just trying to take a nap. She's a new mom. She's tired. She's always pumping. She's married to Demon Darby. She's got the two babies. She's not interested in uh, being awake, and I can't blame her. She was trying to sleep on the bus, and then she's yelling at her, saying, wake up, wake up. And she's like, let me fucking sleep. Uh, but eventually, this episode, we open with all of them getting home to the house that they're all staying in. Caterers arrive. And there's been a lot of talk about this whole thing with Giselle and Robin and how they were put in a room and how Wendy's a bad host. And I'd just like us to all analyze this for a second. So we do know that Wendy was the host of this. But everything is run through Bravo. Like, this is a cast-sanctioned trip. So, Wendy didn't pay for the house, okay? So, I know everybody will say, like, well, Wendy's being a terrible host. Well, okay, you guys, this is Bravo saying This is a television show. The house has to be approved. It has to be uh, cleared for filming. And so, this wasn't Wendy that... It wasn't just like Wendy was hosting a party or something. It was like, here, sit in this attic, and this is where you have to sleep. This was a show. Okay, so this we're all pretending that this was all Wendy's fault that they don't have a bathroom and that they had to go stay at the hotel. But like, let's all, in the words of that producer who yelled at Denise, let's get real and remember that this is a television show where the locations have to be cleared and that Bravo pays for. So uh, just let's all remember that. Let's all remember that. 
But uh, the women all get ready for this crab boil. And as we're get at the as the caterers are getting ready, we're looking at close ups of the food, and they show that salad because we know there was a big salad toss. And uh, the Bravo, brilliant, beautiful Bravo producers, editors, and camera people, they do a close up of the salad very dramatically. And I just have to say that I applaud that shot. It's really really interesting. And all the women they get ready uh, for this crab boil. Mia or G says to Mia, uh, she's got a tight ass, and she's like, "Don't you like a tight ass?" And you guys, this just. I don't know why this line really hit me in a weird way. And maybe it was just where I was emotionally at the time when I was watching this episode. But just hearing Mia say, don't you like a tight ass? Something about the way that she said it, or maybe it was like the the fervor, is that a word, that she said it with? Something about Mia saying that one line, don't you like a tight ass? It made me feel really uncomfortable. And I, again, I don't know what it was, but I heard it and... I have the no. I didn't feel I didn't feel great about it. I don't want to. I, I didn't love it, and I didn't feel great about it. I'm not sure exactly how to explain my feelings surrounding that one line reading, but something about it didn't sit right with me. When she said, "Don't you like a tight ass?" It was a kind of. It was. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. It doesn't even make any sense what I'm saying right now here on the podcast. But I just need you to know that something didn't sit right with me with that one line reading. Don't you like a tight ass? Don't you like a tight ass? It was kind of like, I wish it was a little more jokey than it was. Maybe that's what it is. It was a little too, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying, but it didn't make me comfortable is what I am saying. Then we cut to the crab boil. Now, Karen says to everyone, and the whole group's there at this crab boil. And I was a little upset they were all sitting on the benches. I'm not interested. You invite me to your crab boil dinner party. I don't like to sit on a bench. I need something with a back. You can talk about drive back. I need a chair back. Okay, because I don't like sitting on a bench. I hunch as it is. If you give me a chair without a backing, then I'm going to hunch. I'm going to look like Quasimodo in the Disney animated film Hunchback of Notre Dame, because that's how I am at natural. And so you give me a, a bench, and I, I'm on camera, no less, I'm going to look like the Hunchback of Notre Dame. And so if I, these women were all sitting upright, but you guys, if it was me, I'd say to producers, you need to get me a chair. You need to get me a chair with a backing because I'm already going to look hunchback on camera and you get loose after filming for a certain amount of time. Then you start to get even looser and you're not paying attention to how you're sitting, how you're looking. And so then I would look horrible. And so if I was one of these women, you know, good thing they're not as big of a diva as I would be because I'd say you need to drive back and you need to get me a chair back because I can't sit on a bench. And then they're all so close. Who wants to sit that close on a bench on a picnic park bench? Uh Uh-uh. I'm not interested. Uh, but Karen tells the group, Ray and I are coming up on 25 years, and a lot of people don't make it that long. And then, oh, this is in Karen's confessional. She says, a lot of people don't make it that long, like Giselle. <laughs> oh, it made me laugh. It made me laugh. Um, Dre showed up, though. Uh, Dre's uh, Escala's husband. You know, Escala and Dre, they don't really talk much, but they're there. And everyone points out how Dre looks like the Grinch who stole Christmas. And that made me excited for the holidays. It did. Now, also, I'm not a seafood eater, and they also said it was cold. I don't love a lot of seafood, I don't love a bench, and I don't love sitting in the cold. So, G went inside, and I would have been like, G, you know, I haven't liked G up until this point, but I really related to him this episode when he's like, I'm going inside, because he doesn't care that they're filming a TV show. He says, I'm done. I'm going inside. Okay, so he heads on in. And then uh, Karen asks everyone uh, about how she, she tells them all how she's given them an invite to her renewal party. So she says, make sure you open the invite outside, outside. And they're all just accepting it. And if somebody told me that at a dinner party, I'd say, what the fuck? Why am I opening it outside? What do I need to open an invite outside for? That's what I'd say to them. Uh, but everyone just accepted it. They said, okay, we'll open it outside. So that was interesting to me. Then they talk about Eddie and his mom. And he says, well, she reached out to me once and, you know, they have all that drama. And then Escala said to Eddie and Wendy, and this is the first time Escala's basically spoken on this whole season. She says, I'm going to speak healing over your family. And I thought, what? <laughs> it was such a weird thing that we haven't heard Escala talk this whole time. And then she says, I'm going to speak healing over your family. And I don't know. I understand the emotion and I get what Escala was saying. Like, don't get me wrong. It was just a strange thing, the fact that we haven't heard her. I don't even know if she's been mic'd this whole season. And then all of a sudden, the first thing she says is, I'm going to speak healing over your family. 
And they kept it in. And I'm glad she's going to speak healing over the family. We're all going to speak healing over Wendy's family and Wendy, because we love those kids. Love those crazy kids. By the way, she came out with the candle, and it already sold out. I didn't get one. Uh, she came out with the one wick. Wendy, she released the one wick. It went on sale $45 for one wick. And I looked at the website, and at first I was like, I don't know if I want to spend $45 on a one wick. And I really thought, though, I slept on it. I was like, I'm, I'm not sure if I want to buy it. I slept on it, and then I woke up the next day, and I was like, I need to get it. Fuck the $45, right? You only live once. YOLO. I thought, I'm going to get it. And then it was already sold out. So that taught me a lesson. You need to get it right when it's available. You can't sit around. You can't dick around. If something goes on sale and you want it, you need to get it. Because there I lost it on my chance. It was sold out. The one wick, the $45 one wick sold out. Three months worth, she said, a supply sold out. So I didn't get my one wick. But I'm glad it sold out. I'm glad for Wendy. We want only good things for Dr. Wendy, the family, Eddie, the mom, the whole nine. And hopefully the next round of candles, you guys, I'm going to be on it. You guys, I'm going to be like, it'll be like Black Friday when you wake up at 6 a.m. I'm just going to be on the computer. I'm going to be ready to go, ready to shop. I'm going to make sure I got some caffeine in me so I'm sharp as a ta- uh, sharp as a tack. And I'm going to order the one wick as soon as I see it go on sale. You guys let me know. You shoot me a message if you see those things go back on sale. You shoot me a text, a message, GM, email, whatever you got to do, Morse code, send over a carrier pigeon. Get at me. And let me know that the one wick's available because I'm getting out my $45 and I'm putting it on the candle. That's it. I'm going to save, put it on the candle. I'm saving money. Matt and I are trying to move, but fuck that savings because I'm going to get one of those one wicks. I need a review for you guys, you know, and I need a, I need to light it so then I can speak healing over the family of Wendy and Eddie. You know, I need to speak healing. <laughs> Then Ashley and G do have this fight, you guys. So G doesn't even remember telling her to wake up. And then uh, Ashley's like, what, you got Alzheimer's? And then Mia's like, Ashley, Alzheimer's is a real issue. I wish I transcribed this whole fight because it was truly one of the most unhinged things I've heard on this program or any other program because they were fighting over Alzheimer's. But So Ashley said, what, you got Alzheimer's? You can't remember? And then Mia's like, Ashley, Alzheimer's is a real issue. And Mia was, the the clocks were turning in her head, you know, the wheels were turning. That's that's the right phrase. The wheels were turning in Mia's head. She's thinking, do I make a big deal out of this Alzheimer's comment? Because Mia couldn't tell if it was an insult on G's age or not. And Mia made it into an insult on G's age, but I don't think it really was. Because Ashley was just pointing out, like, he didn't remember something that just happened. So I don't think Ashley was like insulting people who are old with Alzheimer's, but that's how Mia interpreted it. And I don't even think she actually interpreted that. I think she was just latching on because she knows she's a real housewife now. She knows she's got to fight with someone about something. So she's like, Ashley, Alzheimer's is a real issue. And then Ashley's like, look, I'm not an ageist. I'd say it to you too. And then Mia's like, Alzheimer's is a real issue. She keeps saying, she's not even saying Alzheimer's. She's saying Alzheimer's. And then Ashley's like, it's got a, it's got a Z. It's Alzheimer's. It's a, <laughs> this, <laughs> oh, this show is so stupid, you guys. This show is so, these shows are so stupid. I love them. I love them. Moments like these when I'm really, when I'm really nailing down and I'm writing these notes, you guys, and I'm feeling really alive and I'm looking at my notes and I'm realizing they're fighting over how Alzheimer's is spelled. That's when I feel the most myself, when I feel most at peace with the world and everything we've gone through as a society. I know it's been a rough last, I don't know, four, five, six, seven years, however long. It's been a rough couple of uh, the pandemic. We've been through social uprest. You know, there's all sorts of things going on, and sometimes it can feel overwhelming. You know, it can feel like, what what are we doing here? And it's moments like these when I realize there's two women who are voluntarily fighting over uh, how Alzheimer's is spelled on TV that I feel really alive. And I feel like, okay, we're on the right path. We're at least headed in the right direction, right? Like, I feel... <laughs> it's so insane. And Candace is sitting back and she's loving it. They were playing like a tennis sound effect because Candace was watching them hit the ball back and forth, fighting about the Alzheimer's and the spelling of Alzheimer's and... Uh, Mia's adding a T to it and she's not sure. She says, it's a real issue. Alzheimer's is a real issue. And they're just <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> and then eventually Mia says, look, Ashley just needs dick. She needs a big black dick, she says to her. I like dick. And look, we all need dick at times. Sometimes you fear yourself. You can tell when you need it, right, ladies? We all know when we're uh, super tense, we're feeling really emotional and sometimes you just need that dick. And so Mia was not wrong. She was not wrong. I like dick. Anyway, then uh, Wendy and Eddie, meanwhile, they're like pulling Karen aside and putting her in a fake cake. 
And then they carried her across the field, but you could see her legs. And so they pull up this cake. First of all, the whole cast is there. And we know Wendy and Eddie pull Karen aside. They're like, come on, we need to talk to you. So we know that only the three of them are missing. So then when Wendy and Eddie come back with the big ass cake and there's feet hanging out the bottom and you could see Karen's uh, or her dress or whatever on the bottom of the cake, we know that Karen's in there. And Ray then is like supposed to act surprised or something. Like Ray didn't know how to act, you know, like they pop out. And Ray's like, what the fuck do you want me to do? You know, and Karen just pops out of there fully clothed. And Karen wasn't even ready for it. She just went with it. She went with the flow. She said, yes, and, and she hopped in that cake. I don't know. Maybe Karen's had an improv lesson too, much like Seth on the real house of Salt Lake City. Cause Karen said, yes, and she hopped in that cake. And then Ray sort of acted surprised. It was very odd. The whole thing was odd. I don't know another way to explain it. it was odd, but it happened. And it was happening while they were fighting about Alzheimer's. So it was all just so crazy. It was a mess. And Karen, you know, she said she couldn't have been naked because G, you know, always licking his lips about her. And they kept showing Karen imitating G licking the lips. You guys, what was that? Then all the women go home. We're done with the cast trip. Everyone is at home. Everyone's open up Karen and Ray's invite with the butterflies popping out. Some of the butterflies lived. Some of them did not. Some of them lived. Some of them not. There was a couple that just died on the concrete. I'm sorry, some of those animals, some of those butterflies did not make it. They did not spread their wings and fly, uh, in the words of our dear Queen Icon legend Mariah Carey. They did not get a chance to spread their wings and fly. They died in the box of the invitation. And I I don't know that it's necessary to make some butterflies, invite people to your to your uh, party, to your vow renewal, but it's something that happened on this show. And Juan, we haven't seen Juan in a while. There was a moment where he was, had a face roller, and he's never looked hotter to me. I know it seems like there's problems in their marriage next week, but Juan has never looked hotter than he was sitting like Sutton Strack with that face roller on his face. I was like, let me be that face roller. I mean, he's a hot man. Gorgeous. Then Mia and her mom had a problem because she went in on G when they got back from the vacations. So they talk about that. Then we see Giselle with the kids. They worry she's going to die alone. And Jizz says she's dating. Jizzy says she's dating someone, but she won't tell production. I was like, Jizzy. I'm like, Jizz, we need you to tell production about who you're dating. Because if you want to be on this show, we need you to open up about your life. We love how messy you are with the other women. But if you're dating a new man, Jizzy, we need you to open up about it. So Jizzy, I know she's getting a little too comfortable. She's a great housewife, one of the best we have. But she's getting a little too comfortable. And we can't have her hiding stuff from production. Can't have it. Meanwhile, Ashley goes to therapy with baby number two, Dylan. And Michael apparently doesn't want to have sex with her. And she asks the therapist, she says, am I supposed to trust him? And it's like, no shit, Ashley. Of course you're supposed to trust your husband, Demon Darby. But you can't because he's always lied and cheated on you. So now you got yourself into pickle. And I think the only way for Ashley to get out of her pickle is to leave that demon and go find somebody new. She got the kids, grab the kids and run. Grab the kids and run from that demon because he's not a good man. And now he doesn't want to have sex with her. And she doesn't even know if she could trust him. Not happy about it. And then what was to come with Ashley in the hotel with Michael? Woo! You guys, woo! We're going to talk about that in a second. But we have to talk about Wendy and the candle photo shoot with the mom and the daughter. I was so focused on what they were wearing. It looked so cozy. Everything the daughter was wearing, what Dr. Wendy was wearing, the mom, so cozy. The mom got mad, though, put on the sunglasses, stormed out because they were talking about the tough childhood. And I need more of the mom. The mom's a star. Wendy's mom is a star. So put her on next season. We need to get more scenes with her mom. She stormed out. Let make her a housewife. Get her in the main credits. Let's get her a tagline. Get her in front of the screen. So then, okay, Ashley, we got to talk about this. I'm sorry. This is going to be tough to talk about because it's the scene where Ashley was dancing for Michael. Really, really tough to watch. She got a hotel room. It was so weird. And she was feeding him cheesecake with a Corona. I was so uncomfortable. There was cameras there. And I can't even understand when these housewives do this. We know Tamara and Eddie Judge, they had a bath together on camera. Remember that one scene where Ramona and Mario were massaging each other? What propels people to do this on camera? Okay, you're not getting paid enough to do a softcore porn scene on camera, ladies. So if you're a housewife listening to this podcast, you need to cool it. You need to put on the clothes. I don't want to see you sexy dance for your demon husband. No one wants to see that. No one. No one. You hear me, Ashley Darby? I'm sorry, but we've seen this before. There's been other times you've done some sexual stuff with that demon on camera. And then he goes and does sexual stuff with women off camera uh, with that aren't you. 
So you shouldn't be doing it on camera with people that are him. I mean, you need to learn a lesson. It's such a strange, strange thing that they are doing. And then also it was like, they're having cheesecake with the Corona. I was like, is that an aphrodisiac? <laughs> made me want cheesecake though. That's for sure. Um, not the sex part. It was only making me want cheesecake. I want to make this very clear because I was only focused on the cheesecake because my eyes couldn't even take in the demon who was sitting there. Okay. So I just had a laser vision onto that cheesecake. Because honestly, if you focus on the demon that's in front of us, we'll all just lose our sex drive completely. And you know what? I like dick. So anyway, they need more therapy, too. They just do. Michael also was talking about, they were about to fuck, and then Michael, excuse my language, then they were about to uh, have sex, and Michael's talking about Juan. And then the Bravo people add a whole uh, montage of Michael just wanting to have sex with Juan. And I, they said it was like a bromance. The producer was calling it a bromance. And I was like, okay, you guys, we're playing fast and loose with the word bromance because that's not what this is. That demon has a crush on Juan. And who can blame him? Okay, whether you're straight, gay, whatever, bisexual, questioning, it doesn't matter. Who doesn't have a, a crush on Juan? But Michael's goes further, I believe, than it really should, particularly because he's married and uh, because we know Michael has also uh, been inappropriate with the crew on this program. So Michael is just... Uh, I don't know what else to say. He's gross and he's a demon. Oh, uh, we do see Giselle the doctor too. I don't need more therapy scenes. There should be a limit on therapy scenes for this show. I mean, it was like uh, therapy scenes out the wazoo. Out the wazoo. And the only time I like the therapy scenes are really, I like the therapy scenes on Bethany Ever After when she met with Dr. Amador because he would just be like, you're fucking nuts. And, you know, he would say it in a really nice, sweet way. Uh, but he really tried to call her out on her shit in a calm way. And he was the only one, and then she fired Dr. Amador, and that's when I feel like Bethany's real decline began. Because if she kept Dr. Amador around, maybe things would have been uh, differently. Now, I feel like every time I read about Bethany in the press and everything, it's a negative thing. And I feel like that's because of Dr. Amador. She left Dr. Amador. Uh, but otherwise, I'm not interested in the therapy scenes too much. This whole episode, we got Ashy with the therapist, then Jizzy with the therapist. It's like, okay, enough. Enough with the therapy scenes. Okay, bravo. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be mean because I I love Potomac. It's so good. But we don't need that many therapy scenes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be so critical. You know, I love you guys. I love you. What else is going on? Oh, I, I have to point out Giselle's jean shirt in that therapy scene. It was just real tough to look at. She loves denim. Okay, I was bored. Anyway, next week's the season finale. I'm glad it's ending. Uh, but I will miss him terribly. I just think this is a bit of a filler episode, and I feel like we need some dyna- dynamic episode, and the uh, finale looks like it's going to deliver that. There's like this whole fight with Michael and Chris. They always bring the drama, and then Juan and Robin almost break up. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. So that's Potomac, you guys. Uh, what else? Do we have anything else we need to talk about? This is long. I thought I was going to be short again. I thought I was going to be a short episode, and here we are. We're a... Uh, 50 plus minutes. Uh, I love you all so much for listening. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, shall we do our cheesy little cool down? I feel like we haven't done this uh, every episode lately, and I feel like we need to take our deep breaths. We need to relax. We need to take a deep breath in, and we need to hold it. And we need to breathe out. And we need to take another deep breath in, hold it, breathe out. I love you so much. Again, I want to remind you that my holiday podcast will be launching this week with a Hocus Pocus episode. Search for A Very Merry Iconic Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe or follow. also want to encourage you all to subscribe or follow to the Everything Iconic Podcast so you get all new updates. Go to acast.com slash everything iconic for all episodes of Everything Iconic. Oh, and one more thing before we go. I do want to play a little ad for my friend's podcast. I hope you'll check it out. I love you guys so much. I'll leave you with this. Bye-bye. Everyone's talking about true crime. I know on The Real House of Beverly Hills, it feels like we're watching a true crime play out. And I know you guys love true crime podcasts. And if you're looking for a new one to listen to, I want to tell you about one that's hosted by a couple of my faves. It's called Shaken and Disturbed, and it's co-hosted by my buddies John Thrasher and Darren Karp. You might know Darren Karp. She's Andy Cohen's assistant who really does it all. And my friend John is a true crime television producer, too. So together, they are just the ultimate crime show duo. And you guys will love this. They're great 
as a duo. They were bartenders on Watch What Happens Live a bunch of times. They've been mentioned in the New York Times. They've done live shows. And honestly, Shaken and Disturbed is great for your true crime needs. What I love about it is they're genuine besties, and they really respect the victims, their families, and always give a fair and balanced point of view about the details. Shaken and Disturbed is a show you can listen to about true crime, but it ain't going to give you nightmares which is important to me. And it's really fantastic. They're my friends. I can't recommend it enough. Again, it's called Shaken and Disturbed. You can listen to it anywhere you get your podcast. Shaken and Disturbed. Disturbed. 